Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. On today's episode, I should be reviewing a classic piece of cinema for you today, uh, as chosen by you, the listeners. Uh, as you, If some of you didn't see it, I did put an Instagram poll out there to see which film I should review next. Uh, I wanted to review a older film or a film that hasn't exactly at least just come out, and I battled a couple of them against each other. Uh, Super 8 was one of them. Bad Times of the El Royale was another one. Uh, but ultimately, the winner was Goodfellas, the 1990 cinema classic of gangster cinema from Martin Scorsese. Now, today, it's going to be a bit more of a... I'm going to just sort of take you through... Obviously, if you haven't seen the film, I would probably say watch the film first, and then you'll be able to follow the opinions in suit. But what I will do is I'll try and earmark a couple of bits like I usually do in case you guys want to avoid any major spoiler territory. If you just want this as a recommendation for why you should watch Goodfellas, uh, what it entails and all the other bits in between. So Goodfellas, like I just said, it was released in 1990, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, who at this point had already directed such classics as Taxi Driver, New York, New York. I mean, some people don't like that one, but for me, I love that one. Uh, he would go on to do uh, Shutter Island in the 2000s with Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, and he's done so many more. Uh, the Irishman is the more recent example for those of you film fans out there who are avidly following his career or just cinema in general. The Irishman, which was a Netflix film, uh, I believe that's coming out in a Criterion edition sometime soon uh, this month. So I'd say stay tuned for that if you love your blu-ray collections uh but that's martin scorsese for you there's lots of different uh films that he's done and also he has been quite prevalent in the news of film basically slating all superhero movies saying that they're not cinema they're works of theme park attractions and uh that's a debate that we can still keep on ha having for this ongoing discussion but i would say we'll leave that for another day but for now goodfellas in my opinion, is actually one of my favourite ones. I, I think out of all the Scorsese films, I, I love, like I just said, New York, New York. It's one that not many people like, but I tend to like uh, over anybody else uh, thinking, oh, yeah, uh, Casino is a good Scorsese film or um, The Wolf of Wall Street with DiCaprio again or Shutter Island. Uh, but I genuinely feel that Goodfellas for me is probably my favorite Scorsese film that is truly Scorsese. So obviously for those of you who don't know uh, Martin Scorsese, he's a director who very much, he started out in the new Hollywood movement back in the 1970s and he opened us up to, he's one of the few, like many directors in the seventies, Francis Ford Coppola being another one uh, who created these cinematic masterpieces that were learning from the old school movie making of the, classic Hollywood studio system, but mix it up a little bit. And I feel Goodfellas kind of is a great example of that. So um, as I just said, it's funny I mentioned New York, New York and everything like that and Taxi Driver uh, because they are all set in New York. And again, a true Scorsese gem, it's got to be set in New York itself. Uh, and it is. Uh, the film opens up with uh, New York uh, and we see our characters that we're going to follow for the rest of the film. Uh, but then we cut back in time and we sort of trace our steps back up to that moment that we start off with from the beginning. Classic storytelling device where we get things uh, started from the get-go. 
uh, we start off to sort of, oh, who are these characters? And then we go back in time to learn who they are, how they became, and what led up to that scene. Uh, so the opening scene, it's not really a spoiler because it's the opening of the film and it just gives you a taste of it. Uh, we open up with uh, three characters uh, played by Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, and Ray Liotta. I hope I've said his name correctly. Uh, and they're driving this car. They're in New York. I think it's Queens, the di district, it says specifically. Uh, and they're driving this uh, really nice, fancy Cadillac uh, down a freeway. And they end up uh, hearing a banging noise from the boot. And it's a, a man who has been beaten to death by the looks of it. And then they shoot him. And there's, it's accompanied, the scene is then followed by an accompanying uh, voiceover from uh, Ray Liotta's character, Henry Hill, uh, saying, well, how do we get here? That kind of thing. And then we go back in time to trace back how we led up to this moment. And it's quite, you know, so you're opened up with three big, I mean, Ray Liotta, for me, I've only ever seen him in uh, Goodfellas, uh, but as for Robert De Niro, he's a big, massive Martin Scorsese collaborator. He collaborated with him on New York, New York, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, uh, the the Irishman. The list goes on and on. Uh, and the same Joe Pesci again. He came back for the Irishman as well, and he's just such a well-known gem of gangster cinema, I would say. Uh, but yeah, Joe Pesci plays a character called Tommy DeVito. Robert De Niro plays Jimmy Conway or James Conway in the. Uh, credits as he's listed and obviously Ray Liotta is Henry Hill and then another name to mention that on that name now Lorraine Bracco is the lady who plays Karen Hill the wife of Henry Hill and I mention all these characters right from the offset because these are the sort of the core four characters that we follow throughout the entire film there are other characters that do continue throughout the film but this film is very much it's a classic gangster genre film it takes you through like the life of a individual character and in this case it's henry hill uh the film itself is actually before we continue is actually based off of a book uh it's actually based off a book from 1985 from an author called nicholas pileggi and it's the film is actually called wise guy which if you watch the film they actually call each other um in the in the gang that is they all call each other wise guys like if you're a wise guy uh you know you have a certain code of conduct and that's the way of the like the gang and so forth uh, and you have a mutual understanding and then there's this business of made men which are like they're, they're made from like italian blood uh from italian families uh, whereas if you were irish you wouldn't get into you wouldn't be able to be made you had to be a hundred percent italian uh is like apparently it was a cultural thing as it's mentioned and explained throughout the entire overarching voiceover that's um talking to us a bit like a storybook in a way and that's the one thing i wanted to point out actually upon because i re-watched this film because i do love it but I, i've seen it before but i've watched it again just before i recorded this episode and i do feel that you know it's very it's very much like a a storybook and it tells a story as if you're reading the novel itself. So the narration, the voiceover narration given by uh, Ray Liotta's Henry Hill, he talks us through like each of the things that are going to happen. And then obviously the actual acting in the scenes sort of fills in the gaps as, as it were, the visual gaps. Uh, and there are bits where, you know, it's not just leading you by the hand like a movie musical does with song where it literally sings you through the plot points. 
uh, it just fills you in on like the little bits of background information and so forth. So in that respect, it's very novelistic. And as much as, I mean, coming from a script, budding script writer's point of view, like when you're originally like taught how to write scripts and like you're finding your craft, anyone will tell you who's into script writing or any form of storytelling that scripts, it's all less is more. And whereas novels, the de- the key is in the detail. And I do feel that the, uh, it's just, it's very novelistic. Yeah. It gets away with it. And it really changes the, the speed of the film because you're always being led by this constant companion that is Henry Hill, the narrator who's telling his story from an omniscient place. So obviously somewhere in the future where we can't see him, but he's telling it from a point of view of hindsight as it were. And I just feel that it's just a great storytelling device to see that Henry Hill is overarching this like sort of godlike uh, presence over the entire film. Like I say, it's, you know, it takes you through it and great performances throughout. In my opinion, I think Robert De Niro, he doesn't do much in this film compared to obviously Taxi Driver or Raging Bull, really like central to those films. And he's central in this film, but Robert De Niro is pretty much a like a very reserved star in this respect. So, you know, he's there, his presence is there. He's built up by the voiceover narration in from the point of view of Henry Hill. He's just, he's seen as the man that everybody needs to know and should know. And, you know, if you want to be on someone's good terms, you're there. Um, but yeah, so that's just a brief sort of oversight. The voiceover leads you through the story. And it's just, it's based on the book by Wise Guy by Nicholas Pileggi. It's just such a, I think think because it's basing itself off of such strong source material, that's why the film flows so much. And I just feel that it's absolutely amazing from start to finish. Uh, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, people say Martin Scorsese films are amazing. You know, I genuinely don't like some Scorsese films. I think they're quite boring or there's too much swearing. But in this one, I think the tone and everything, it's just perfect. Uh, so... Like I said, it opens up with that beginning scene and it's set in 1970. And then we flash back to 1955, New York City, uh, and we get to see all the younger versions of the characters. Um, One little thing I always find really interesting is um, who they cast to play the younger versions of the characters. And I do feel that in this case, the casting directors did a really good job because the guy, the the kid who like doubles as like teenage um, Ray Liotta, for Henry Hill is so like he looks he doesn't sound like him much but at all really but he looks like he looks like he could have been the younger version that could have been him in a younger life and as for Joe Pesci's younger part so Tommy DeVito he's very like I don't know whether they dubbed Joe Pesci's voice on top and played around with the audio but the voice sounds so much like him it's the only bit of trivia I don't really know whether that's actually Joe Pesci's voice and it's been altered to sound a bit younger but I do feel that, you know, that that really gave me chills. Like, oh, he sounds like Joe Pesci. I mean, it probably is Joe Pesci for all I know, but that's one little bit of fact that I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you get to meet them and it's in, in the 1950s in the east of New York, uh, the, like the east, well, east side of New York City uh, in like the sort of more, not slum areas, but very much owned by the gangs and 
respect in respected areas you know if you mess with one gang that's it end of uh it's very traditional gangster genre stuff you know where the territories are there protection set up for different people to be protected from other people it's you know it's that standard thing that you'd expect from a gangster movie you know you've got the big don at the top who's um i believe i've got what the actor's name is now but the guy who uh he's in it he's uh, he's such a like a big great a great presence um it, it, it poorly is his name is the character's name uh and he's such a he is basically the martin scorsese version of the godfather essentially he's there he's in place and that's him for the entire film and obviously the whole film overall it explores the life of henry hill like i said the book is based on uh, fairly true events and actually the film actually says at the beginning based on true events uh so the book is because the book is based on the exploits of actual real life henry hill and the people that he knows and the people depicted in the film and the you know everything's all sort of intertwined in that respect because at the beginning of the film it does state that it is but obviously there's a few creative liberties here and there obviously but i would say you know it's such a cracking script all the way through in terms of the editing and the timing i think it's you know it flows really nicely because the film itself is two and a half hours long roughly two hours 25 and i don't get really that bored like i don't i've said this before i don't really like films that go on for too long like if it's three hours it's got to be a really good three hours uh like avengers endgame or I mean, I just about got through Titanic. That was, or I could have been shorter um, and gone with the wind as well. That's a long one. But, you know, it's got to, if it's really grabbing my interest, I've got to be there straight from the beginning. And I just, I feel that in this one, although it's not quite three hours, it's only two and a half hours. I would say it really does sort of catch you from the moment you're in there. You've got these weird titles where they're a bit like cars going by and they're going by and by and by and then it, fixes on the words and who directed a Martin Scorsese film and you know you literally straight into the action with that opening scene in the 70s where they're killing and burying some dead body uh, of a guy which we later go on to know why that guy has been beaten up and shot and buried up uh, it turns out he was a very important man but that's you know if you want to watch the film you'll understand why when you watch it uh but overall the pacing i think is quite good pacing is very good for it and the performance it that sort of is part and parcel because of the great performances um from the likes of joe pesci robert de niro ray liotta and even although this is a very male dominated film and the film is very centered towards that male point of view because it's you know the the book's called wise guy the film is called goodfellas so you know it's very male very masculine but it does have those moments where you know although in some respects the the female is just there literally to sort of cause a bit of trouble they're there for the romance they're there for the uh, the use of just causing trouble and mixing up the status quo i suppose for the the lives of these men these gangsters and you know and in some cases they're just people they have affairs with um and cause trouble for the main central female characters uh to the plot and that is definitely the case with karen hill so played by lorraine bracco who is definitely she she's domesticated but she's very feisty i would say she definitely gives as good as she gets, especially in the scene where she goes to the apartment of a 
uh, of one of one of Henry's uh, lovers. <laughs> I think he has about two or three lovers. I think at some stage across the film, um, but the first one, uh, her name's Janice, <laughs> and she's that she stood there with the kid in arm, uh, pressing on the doorbell, yelling, yelling down the intercom, going, "You sleeping with my husband?" and various other profanities, left, right, and center, because it's a Scorsese film after all. Uh, you know, you can't really get away with a Scorsese film without the odd F-bomb or, you know, swear word here and there. But definitely, you know, if you're not squeamish against swear words, you know, watch Scorsese's films. <laughs> but yeah, I would definitely say from start to finish, the pace is good and that's led by the actors. And novelistic narration carries you through. And I think it's worth, I would say, watching it once sort of letting it sink in a little bit and then watching it again because I feel, although I've watched it a few times now I do feel that because I've watched it I'd already watched it and then I watched it again I don't know, it goes by quicker for me I don't. I think that might be the case with any films really, you get to know the plot points you know what happens um, so naturally things are going to be like, oh this is next this is next and you're really switched on and engaged with the film but I would say definitely, you know for this film i know it's two hours 25 of viewing but i'd say watch it once really watch it just dedicate your time to it and let it sink in and then leave it for a bit and then watch it again and you'll start to pick up details that you didn't see before and that's the thing for any films really because you know you'll never see the same thing twice although you will there are some things you won't see the first time or even the second time that you viewed it and i just think that it's you know it's so well written in the in the script like i said the pace is great uh but i would say the one thing i take away from this film and lots of people i don't know whether people say this this is just my personal opinion but i would say goodfellas is good for people who don't like the godfather <laughs> now that's not meaning to say that i don't like the godfather uh the godfather is literally the godfather of all uh gangster films particularly number one and for many people number two some people a lot of people don't like number three some people like it but some people don't but that's a debate for another episode which i really will be looking to do sometime in the future an entire godfather trilogy episode uh but i would say martin scorsese's goodfellas is essentially a discounted <laughs> a discounted godfather it is for those of you who you want to watch the godfather you want to be in on that crowd but at the same time you can't be bothered to invest all your time in watching three three-hour films back to back, or even just over. So you like you can't be bothered to trudge through that long epicness that is the Godfather trilogy. And essentially, it is it's basically the Godfather story, but for one man's story. Even though it's based on a book and different events and such, it's condensed into one film. Because uh, you think about it, the Godfather Part One, you get a wedding. At the beginning, it's at the beginning of the film, admittedly, but you get the uh, you get the wedding. You have a wedding in Goodfellas. You have the wedding of Henry and Karen. It's about halfway through, roughly, but you get the wedding. Uh, you get this whole introduced to this world of underground, like crime and gangsters and protection and racketeering and stuff like that. I would say the only thing, obviously, the, the big difference, obviously, is the performances, really, because I feel that the performances in the godfather are very you know yeah they're there they're very dramatic they're very epic but at the same time you know good goodfellas is very much it's it's the godfather with a scorsese twist and it's all condensed so 
all the main, I think, set pieces, I would argue, are brought together into this one two-hour, 25-minute package. And, you know, you still get that period essence of a Godfather-like story and the in the true gangster-like fable, as it were. Because, in my opinion, the the gangster movie, the traditional gangster movie or story narrative, is very much a story that is... It's been told time and time again, and you always like the ones that are the most traditional are the ones that are told in the exact same format. So, for instance, The Godfather, you know, you're introduced to a like a system of power. Uh, you're introduced to the system of power in Goodfellas, and that is in the form of Paulie, who is who takes Henry under his wing after he goes to get a job at his uh, little store that's across the road from where Henry lives and he just you know and that it builds and builds and builds up until he becomes the mastermind and the big man who gets ideas above his station and starts doing his own thing so in the godfather obviously you get that essence of family whereas goodfellas it's much more about an adopted family like they're not actual blood relatives but they're an expanded family an extended family whereas the godfather is very much extended family plus actual blood family uh, but like I say, Goodfellas, I would say there's much more. There's much more swearing and there's much more blood and gore in some respects. Well, unless you get apart from the, the horse's head on the um <laughs> I think it's the horse's head on the um the pillow <laughs> in Godfather in the Godfather. But I would say, you know, Goodfellas, it's a life story. You go from middle of the situation to get the audience going and then it picks up where it goes back in time to show us our characters growing up and evolving into what they will become and then beyond as well that's the other thing we actually see beyond that moment in the first scene that first scene you think oh that might be the end of the film it kind of breaks tradition in that respect because that's how some like in classic films or older films i know in stanley kubrick's lolita they start off near the end and then they go back to discover what brought Pete Sellers and all the characters to that moment. And then it's literally a couple of minutes, like five minutes over that moment you see at the beginning, and it finishes, literally not long after. Whereas Goodfellas, we catch up to speed, in my opinion, pretty quickly to the moment that we're shown at the beginning of the film. And then you go straight ahead to many, many more stories like even more story like there's even more depth to the story than just saying oh they killed some guy you know it rather than showing us right at the end and showing us maybe a version of henry hill i don't know retired you know so on his deathbed saying i remember once when i was young and this happened i just you know it's quite a good storytelling device because it uses a bit of classical hollywood but at the same time it doesn't and that is where i think it really you know the use of the narrative is such an easy flowing piece of cinema. It works so well. And the visuals are really good as well because it's very interesting that it uses freeze frames a lot. I'm very intrigued at why it uses so many freeze frames because it finishes on like a, I, I don't know how to say it. So every time, like in the, especially in the beginning of the film, you get these moments where it freezes and it's on a still picture. And it's funny because when I first, got the film i thought my blu-ray had messed up i thought it was got a scratch on it it wasn't working because uh, i'd never seen it before i'd never seen it in a cinema or anything like that obviously because i wasn't live when it came out but it really it comes across as a bit a bit jolting at first but i suppose that's scorsese cinema making in you know in short because he uses a lot of improvisations and 
I would say overall that, you know, the gangster genre film, it's an unexpected genre and you've got to be prepared for surprises, even if they're little ones. Like, so freeze frames on the screen, you see like picture images of the, uh, so Henry uh, and Joe Pesci's Tommy DeVito and also Jimmy Conway, uh, played by Robert De Niro. They, they all have their like, I know, like packet shop moments. So you get to see them and be like, this is so-and-so. He's a great guy. He He's the guy that introduced me to the way of life. And, you know, they do that a lot in modern day action films these days as well. So you say, obviously, Scorsese has learned it from other people because he is a new Hollywood filmmaker, learned a lot from the classics and then made it his own. But he also shared a lot from, like I say, it's like a, a basically an easy beginner's guide to before you watch The Godfather, even though it was made after The Godfather. Uh, but relating to his fellow filmmaker at the time, Francis Ford Coppola, like I feel that anything that Francis Ford Coppola does, uh, I tend to find that, you know, Martin Scorsese seems to do something that tries to parallel it a little bit because, you know, Martin Scorsese did a musical in New York, New York, and in a way, in a way that he did one, Francis Ford Coppola did The Cotton Club, which was kind of his closest sort of thing to, like, period, but also musically. And, you know, you get that sense of sparring between the two directors. But I would say other things to note for this film, if you want to watch it, uh, if you love New York and the feel of like, like, you know, going from the 50s all the way through up to the 80s, nearly present day for when it came out. Um, the costume design is amazing. It's so brilliant, like the suits and everything. Uh, the cars, I as I've said on my previous review, the Pixie review, I love that yellow Mercedes. So the Cadillacs and all the lovely, lovely vintage cars that I see in this film are just perfect and beautiful beyond compare. And, you know, some of the performances, like I said, are brilliant. Uh, there's an interesting shot, actually. Uh, you know, again, this is not really spoiler territory, but there's a single shot. I think it's going through the Club Copacabana. Uh, and he's. it follows, it's after um, Henry Hill has met Karen. So Henry and Karen have met for the first time because Karen's like third. We, they're going on a double date with uh, this. I don't even know who the woman is. I think she's just a side character. Joe Pesci's, uh, so Tommy's latest I don't know, side piece, as it were. It was a little bit, you know, like he wasn't really interested, but he just wanted to see if he could try and go for a little bit, you know, that old school, old fashioned sexism. Uh, and he just, you know, so he's there on that date and Henry doesn't really want to be there. And him and Karen leave and, you know, eventually they sort of develop into this relationship. And what I like actually as well is how the narration, the voiceover switches from Henry's to Karen's. And Karen is also a thick presence within the, uh, within the story and it really sort of enriches it so it's not just one person's experience it's somebody else's although for the most part it is Henry's story you do get that little insight into Karen's mind but the scene in question is definitely in terms of cinema the language itself is amazing and you see so Club Copacabana you see them walking through uh, this long, like long cavernous uh, caverns and corridors uh, to get into the main club. And you, the camera is a single tracking shot. They're following them from behind. They're going through the kitchens and Henry's showing off how he's like an amazing guy. And, you know, oh, I love this. I love me. It's great. It's amazing. I own this place. And then they even make put a table up for him straight away. It's, you know, and people are waiting in line, but he gets a table because he is well respected. He is part of the family, as it were. And that is, you know, anything that to do with cinema, if you love your cinema. So, for instance, Stanley Kubrick pioneered the tracking shot and the steady cam 
in stuff like uh, The Shining. And, you know, you can see those influences that he has, Kubrick has had on other directors like Martin Scorsese. And it's just such a lovely, fluid shot. It just goes through throughout the entire film. But overall, I would say the cinematography is amazing. You know, it could be really simple with this, but the cinematography, I one highlight for me is, again, it's Club Copacabana. It's the club that they own. They're not Christmas lights, but they're almost like Christmas lights. They're those single spots, like small little lights, like Christmas ones in the background. That are, They're really out of focus, but because of the focus on the main character and their really soft focus in the background, it is such a lovely, lovely scene to look at because the picture is so pretty in the background, yet you've got these guys talking tough in front. Such a lovely contrast in the film itself uh, between what's happening in the actual story and what's happening in the background of the scenery. And it just looks beautiful. And ultimately, uh, you know, that's why this film stands out so much, because, you know, it's visually pleasing. Those lights in the background, the contrast between how beautiful it's shot and everything like that, and the what's happening in the foreground of the shot, so the actors, compared to what's going on in the background, how aesthetically pleasing this period piece looks, but it's also a gangster film, so, you know, you're focused more on the story rather than the the look of it. That is why. It, for me, it's such a, a gem. And you have other moments, including the infamous, am I funny? You think I'm funny? What's so funny? <laughs> Why am I funny? Funny how? Funny how? And, you know, Joe Pesci's, that whole moment is just a testament to, like, why it has st stood the test of time in cinema. You know, for a film to last in the memories of many people, from people who saw it for the first time, maybe when they were underage, maybe when they were the right age, uh, to all the way up to adults who have seen it a hundred million times. They remember films for different reasons. And I think, you know, Goodfellas is one of those ones. If you want to watch it, if you love your gangster films in general, or the gangster genre, so like organized crime and stuff like that, you, you root for the bad guy, then this film is definitely for you. I would definitely advise that you watch this one. If you haven't ever seen it, obviously, this is just your little piece of me basically telling you why you should watch it. But overall, I really enjoyed this film. I would say I'd give it, um, I'd probably give it a good four out of five stars, mainly on the basis that I feel there are some parts of it that could have been like every, every film could have, could have had moments where it was a bit tighter, a bit more sort of slick. I would say the film is, it's probably near perfect, but I'd probably be overdoing it if I said it's a five star film, but I'd say this one, I enjoyed it, but there are other films that I enjoyed more. But like I say, I highly recommend it. And for any anyone who has tried to watch The Godfather and didn't watch it, I would say watch this one and then maybe try and watch The Godfather afterwards because I do feel, you know, you might have been, you said, oh, I don't like The Godfather. It was so boring, you know, it was so long, but, you know, and I don't get it. Like, But if you watch this film, it's more of an entry-level gangster film, in my opinion, and it's you know, it is Discount Godfather, but it's Martin Scorsese's Discount Godfather. And, you know, it's got some style. There's a lot of violence, but, you know, why not? Have some fun with it. Um, other films that I would suggest to you that you watch, obviously, like I said, The Godfather is the one up there that you can watch. For all of you who are into, like, the gangster genre, um, if you're into TV and such, I would say The Sopranos is a good one to watch. The Sopranos, I mean, if you love The Godfather and you've seen Goodfellas, Godfather, then you will love Sopranos because The Godfather basically is reference material for most of, uh, of um, you know, Goodfellas in terms of its makeup, but then even more so because there's actually references uh, within 
uh, the TV show The Sopranos. And I just think, you know, Sopranos, The Godfather, uh, all three of them, me personally, number two, love number two. But the other one I would say for anyone who's a little bit more into like the same genre but wants something a bit different, I would say Jersey Boys, the 2014 Clint Eastwood film directed by Clint Eastwood. Um, Surprising, I know, but essentially it is the same story as like, it's the same story of Goodfellas and, you know, the rise of a gangster, uh, organized gangster crime company, you know, like similar to parts of Godfather, but not really. But I would say... Jersey Boys owes a lot to Goodfellas from its more gritty perspective because Goodfellas is gritty, but Jersey Boys is particularly a film that, you know, it's got musical elements and it follows the actual true story of Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons and their rise to fame and fortune. But I would say it's definitely got its roots in the gangster genre and that period of the 1950s and, you know, growing up and becoming part of the mob and such I, I think that one I would say, you know, if you've seen Goodfellas, watch Jersey Boys afterwards because then you'll get a good sort of reference point for it. And it's, you know, it's an enjoyable film. Genuinely would recommend it. Um, but yeah, overall, Goodfellas, great cinematography, on point script, amazing visuals, perfect production design throughout. And that's all I can really say about it, really. And like I said, um, I was going to say the post credits uh, after the main events are finished in the film there's some post-credit information which tells you about the actual true story of henry hill and karen and what happened to them up to the point of when that film was released obviously and you know and the people who were portrayed on screen by these great actors so joe pesci robert de niro and henry hill played by ray liotta i just you know i can't sell it to you anymore uh but like i said if you don't like it watch jersey boys if you don't like this I would say there's a three-tier system, ironically. Uh, so if you don't like The Godfather, watch Goodfellas. If you don't like Goodfellas, watch Jersey Boys. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I really have to say really about this episode. That's a wrap on the Goodfellas review overview episode. Uh, and I will see you on the next episode of the podcast where there'll be some more uh, reviews, chit-chat, and other bits and pieces, recommendations, and everything else in between. And I can't wait to share the Christmas episode with you guys because that is coming very very soon it's coming the coming the week after next it is going to be so close we are i'm so excited to share it with you it's been a labor of love and i just cannot wait to see what you guys think and as always if you want to give us a like subscribe share us around with your friends give us a review on apple podcasts a thumbs up anywhere that's appreciated and just you know i'd love to hear from you guys what's your favorite moment from goodfellas if you've already seen it uh if you have seen it did you like it? Did you not? Uh, do you agree with me that it's Discount Godfather? Who knows? I will see you on the next episode, guys. That's a wrap on Take 97, Goodfellas episode. See you later.